0: Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? And you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the map with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Gustavo Dantas.
1: Welcome to episode 112. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the third-degree black belt and IBJJF adult no-gi world champion, James Popolo. He's the owner and head instructor at SKBJJ in Oregon. It was a great conversation. James talked about his early days competing, teaching, and training with his jiu-jitsu mentor, Rafael Lovato. He shared his journey of teaching math to middle school until going all-in on his jiu-jitsu passion. He also talked about the importance of the growth mindset Believing in your vision and the title of this episode, Little Victories Build into Big Victories. Stay tuned right after Jiu Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children. And young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Metal Coach donates all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jujutsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujutsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, James Popple. James is a third-degree black belt under Rafael Lovato. He co-owns SK BJJ Academy in Oregon with his wife. James was a middle school math teacher before deciding to teach jiu-jitsu full-time. He's a former no-gi world champion, silver medalist in the black belt division, the gi as a black belt in the adult worlds, and a three-time veteran of the ADCC. He has three daughters, including newborn twins. Congratulations. And thank, thank James you. runs his academy with the philosophy of personal development through martial arts. James, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks. I appreciate you having me.
1: Awesome. So tell us, man, how martial arts got into your life and eventually jiu-jitsu, if you practiced anything before jiu-jitsu.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I used to play traditional sports growing up, basketball and football. And in middle school, my dad, had, for whatever reason, we were on a trip and we were going to watch something, and we went down to the video store and we found the UFC, the original UFC. And so we watched that, and I was probably 12 or 13, and so saw Hoist, and immediately, you know, everyone saw those videos and like, well, jiu-jitsu is the best, jiu-jitsu is the best martial art. But there was no, uh, there was no jiu-jitsu where I lived here in Oregon at the time, and so. I didn't really think too much of it so it's weird how those things kind of happen in your life that you don't know the impact till later on so that kind of planted the seeds of what jiu-jitsu was and so i still went through high school playing traditional sports and then when i got done in uh, with high school i went to college and i wasn't good enough to play at a really high level university so i ended up going to university of oregon but definitely wasn't good enough to play on those teams those guys are insane athletes so I was kind of looking for the next best thing. Like, what am I gonna do now? I love being an athlete. I've always been into that since childhood. And so I tried all these different sports. And then I told my dad, hey, I want to, I'm gonna try boxing. And he was like, oh, don't do boxing. And he was really concerned about me do, uh, getting any head trauma. So he was like, you should see if there's jiu-jitsu classes. And so I was like, oh, that's right. We'd seen the early UFCs, jiu-jitsu's the best right Uh, at the time of martial art uh, versus martial art. And so I randomly looked up at the University of Oregon, the rec classes, they had a jutsu class. And so I took it and it was just immediate, immediate love at first sight. Like the first class I took, it just hooked me. And I had a really good first instructor, uh, Ryan Kelly. He was a brown belt at the time, under megaton, uh, obviously another legend and uh, He'd also had some training with Hickson. And so he was, uh, back then, he, he really could tell you about jiu-jitsu in a way that just got you so fired up about it. And so I, I was just immediately hooked. And I still wasn't going too too uh, crazy at the time. I was only training once a week for an hour. And then eventually, after a couple terms, I went down to the gym that the instructor had Ryan Kelly. And so after that point, after about six months, then I was training five, six times a week just was super into it. So that's kind of how, how I got my start. Right
1: on. When did you get hooked up with, uh, Rafael Lovato?
2: Lovato, the way I get hooked up with Lovato, uh, well the first time I actually ever saw Lovato, I did my first worlds in 2007. That was the first time I was in America and I didn't really know, I didn't really know any of the, the people. I was still, I'd only started Jiu-Jitsu I was maybe two years in, and I wasn't really into the culture. I just kind of, you know, I was, I was into Jiu-Jitsu, but I didn't really know that many of the guys and stuff. And we were watching the matches, and someone's like, oh, that's Lovato, someone from my team. And it didn't really register with me. They're like, oh, he's he's American. Like, he's he's really good. And then I ended up seeing him win his first Black World title, first uh, American since BJ Penn to win. So that so I knew who he was, so it stuck with me after that. And then some of my friends uh, who ran, run an academy here in Oregon that I connected with uh, through college, they had run into Lovato at a, a tournament in the Northwest, and they got connected, and they just invited him out to do a seminar. And they said, hey, Lovato's going to come out. You should, you should come train. And so I had actually won Purple Belt Worlds, before I had trained with Lovato the first time. So I thought I was really, I was like, okay, I'm going to see how I stack up against uh, a black world champion. And it was a reeducation for sure. It was, there's levels obviously. And so that was a very humbling experience. And then once that happened and I hung out with him and we really hit it off, I was, I, I wasn't ready to jump teams then because I was still with with my team and I was still in the area, but it made an impression on me. And then randomly we were at a tournament in Las Vegas, I think about a year later, and he coached me. And so we just kind of, again, made that connection. And then it just kind of fell into place from there that it just – I was like, there's another American. He's big. He – you know, we're – the friendship was there. And so from there it just kind of took off into being under him so I've been under him for about 10 years now.
1: So what you did you go did you live at some point in Oklahoma just travel very often? How did I go?
2: Uh, traveling yeah a lot of people think I'm actually from Oklahoma but I've lived in Oregon my whole life and so I've I've traveled to Oklahoma by far more than anywhere else uh, other than obviously living in Oregon. So I probably I don't even know countless number of trips, 50 trips over the years. I was going quite a bit. Now that I have my family, I I can't go as as much. But he'll come out here, and there's a he has a couple of seminar or a couple of academies here in the northwest. So he'll do a little seminar tour every summer. So we get that time in, and then I'll usually make a couple of trips out to to Oklahoma. So we don't see each other as much as as I'd like, but definitely still that connection's super strong. But yeah, definitely obviously most people who. Kind of started jujitsu earlier, or used to traveling. You just had to travel. There wasn't as much information out there, and so, uh, yeah, that's how we kind of uh, developed our relationship more. Going out there and living with him for a couple weeks at a time, and and he's always been real gracious. So,
1: man, yeah, um, I mentioned before the interview, man, you got a very solid resume with a strong competitions. Definitely, the Americans that it's able to stand out and uh, of course in the sports is dominated by by Brazilians so which is which is awesome Wh- when was the moment that you figured out like you know what dude I think I'm gonna pursue this like that's what I'm gonna do jiu-jitsu and at least the spark came in that it, like this is what I
2: want yeah I, I had that initial once I took a class like I love jiu-jitsu as far as a competitive thing that kind of just fell into place I had done a little tournament uh, in a small city in Oregon here that I don't even know, there might've been 30 competitors total when I was a white belt and I'd maybe done three or four matches and I fought some blue belts and I didn't really think too much of it. It was just like something to explore. And then I got a little more serious in my training and then I was two years in and then again, that was the first year the world's were in America and there was probably five or six guys from my school. I was in college at the time. And they're like, hey, we're going to the world championship. Do you want to come? And so, okay, sure. And the, the party line back then, everyone was saying, I hope I win one match. <laughs> I hope we just win one match at the world. So that was always kind of like you hear a lot of the new guys. That's, yeah. I, hope I, win. I just want to win the first one. So I, you know, I, I aren't part of the half. They go home without a win. So that was my mindset going down there. And I just went. And I ended up getting second. I actually ended up losing to Luke Rockhold in the final. And so it just kind of, that once that happened, it just totally changed. I was like, I want to do jiu-jitsu. This is what I, I, I want to do with my life. But back then it still wasn't, it wasn't that popular. You wouldn't, you weren't getting into jiu-jitsu because you thought you were going to make money or be famous or anything like that. It was definitely more for the love of it, especially the generation that I learned from and you're a part of like it was for the love of the art and uh so but that was the big event that happened in my life when I got when I got s- that silver at worlds then it was just on from there Where I was just kind of almost too focused on it for sure mm-hmm.
1: and let's talk a little bit about mindset com- uh, in competition because I thought found, found interest because I I have done the same thing of going to a tournament and I'm thinking about man I just want to win a match you know especially uh I lost a lot in the beginning, so I got to a point that I'm like like winning a tournament. I just want to win a match, you know, make sure that, you know, yeah. uh, get this, this side of, you know, uh, my back, at least the first one. But how was the process of you becoming more, I would say, like emotionally mature for the tournament to start to like shifting that. Out? OK, I'm not just here to fill up brackets anymore. I'm here to really to. Come here to win. Do you think that was a tournament that already gave the the first st- uh, spark on your confidence?
2: Yes, I. Th- that was because I think it was maybe my third or fourth tournament. I had done some small ones here in Oregon, and I went there with no expectations. And so, well, then when that happened, it definitely set that in motion. I've always been a very I was a hyper competitive kid. Uh, definitely, any my childhood friends could tell you stories of me breaking controllers on the video game systems yeah. or kicking the ball or just yeah. being a horrible sport. So focused on winning just innately. I think, you know, just like a fire that burned just all, ever since I was a little kid. So I think they just kind of came together was like, Oh, this is my new sport. This is my new, this is, this is what I want to, I want to do. And I remember watching the black belts and like, I want to be out there. I want to be doing that. And so, yeah, definitely that mix of being hyper competitive and then having that early success, just it, it was the, it was like rocket fuel. Like, okay, I'm, I'm training twice a day. I'm, I mean, like I said, to, to a fault where I was kind of neglecting relationships and, you know, I was in college, so I wasn't really living in college experience. I was just hyper-focused on jujitsu. I was still getting my schoolwork done, but yeah, it was, that was, that was definitely the moment.
1: Yeah, with me is the same way my, let's say my prime time competing, I was in college. And I, I went to college for four and a half years. I think I cannot count five parties that that I went to in four yeah. and a half years. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. really at the I didn't experience the the college lifestyle. And it's I went to college in Brazil, which is very different. Of course, people party too, but uh, it was very different than than he, What I see, I'm like a mile from ASU, so I know. Yeah, I was gonna
2: that, say in Arizona, that's we oui. yeah, that's prime time down there.
1: I know, man. I don't know how it is for you, but I have lost so many good talents. The people that start first year in college, I'm like, man, this dude is doing so well. Second, third year, and then fade away, get caught up in a party, and I'm like, dude. Yeah.
2: Get a girlfriend and then never see him again. Yeah. Man. Part of the jiu part of the journey for sure as an instructor, it's always frustrating when you see those people with the with so much so much talent. And then there's there's always a lot of reasons that mm-hmm. people I don't know about fall off the wagon, but they have, they pursue other interests. And yeah, it's, that's what's interesting about being instructed too is the people who surprise you, where you don't really see them. True. You know, they just kind of show up. They don't seem very competitive. They're not really, and then all of a sudden just a, a switch flips and they're the best guy at the gym. So, that's yeah that's always interesting but yeah it sounds like we had a, a similar college experience I was, yeah. I was much more focused on arm bars than parties so
1: yeah, for sure so how was your transition between brown and black as far as competition goes and and emotionally speaking also like did you feel that when you got there you belonged there or did it second guess you know like right at the beginning because it's a big jump because now even if someone um that has been doing well on the color belts. and now you're hitting guys that have been on the road competing as black belts for many years. So yep. how was that transition for you?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because i I definitely had there was a there was a mental gap that happened for for me where I kind of came up idolizing yep. all these different black belts. Yep. and then to be there, it just I didn't felt I didn't feel like I belonged. And so those those first few years of black belt were definitely. In my mind, again, being hyper competitive, like I need to prove that I belong here. But then at the other end of the thing, kind of, I've, I mean, I've fought a lot of really high level guys, especially early on. I had some matches with Rodolfo, Andre Galvao, uh, Bernardo, Faria, like a lot of the top guys early on in my black belt. And obviously, those guys are legends for a reason, extremely talented. I don't think I gave myself the best chance to win because Menkley it was, I was already, that was, oh, this person is this. They have these titles. So it was definitely an adjustment. I think training a lot with Lovato and Shanji and Solo prepared me
1: for it sure. for, uh,
2: a lot. Obviously, those are some of the best ever. So to know that they're behind me, but I had a pretty rough adjustment. I definitely had some times. I remember one training session that I had as a brown belt with Lovato that we trained for probably two and a half for three hours and we were partners the whole time there was six of us training everyone partnered up i'm with lovato and we started with like 20 minutes of takedowns and then we were drilling and it just went and then we started doing rounds and by the end i was just totally broken i think we did a 10 a 10 minute uh, round to finish and he must have tapped me 15 times i mean it was like <laughs> insane i was just broken and i remember driving home cuz i was at my friend's academy up on the coast so it was a couple hour drive home and i was seriously thinking of quitting jiu jitsu cuz i had that again hyper competitive kind of perfectionist and just well i'm i'm, I'm never going to be on that level i'm never going to be able to so what why even why even try if i if i can't be that good and so it took me the drive was good. It was good, like nice rural drive, chance to kind of reflect. And then obviously, no, that you don't, you don't quit in those sort of moments. You either lean in yeah, and, you know, go through the fire or you, you step back. And so that was definitely a time where, okay, I want to, I want to push through this and I want to see this out. And it was definitely a pivotal moment because I had had success at the lower belts. I'd won Worlds at Perth, there's, 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 there's a reason there's, there's a technical and there's an experience factor, but there's also that mental side of things and everyone approaches that differently. I think that's why when you see some of these guys who can just come in and they're in their first or second year and they're just amazing. It's you really, as, as a black belt competitor, can obviously just sit back in awe because there's to be able to do that right off the bat is, is special. So it it definitely was not my path. I had to take, it took me a while to, to be able to mentally approach it do
1: you remember what it was a moment as far as an event that you felt like a switch that it felt like, wow, you know, like more like the validation of I belong.
2: Yeah. I feel like a lot of that too, which makes sense with goals is you're taking these little stair steps up. And I feel like I've just continually had those, whether it comes from uh, the business side of things or the competitive side of things. And I remember one really, important moment was in the 2012 worlds so that was my first worlds as a black belt i i got i submitted someone who was high level who had placed in the absolute as a black belt before and that uh, i was like okay i tapped someone who is a heavyweight who is a really good competitor okay i do belong okay there you know there's so you get that little taste of success and then it's like okay and I was able to kind of build off that for sure. So I think those, you, you, I find those, even in training, you know, I can remember the first time I ever tapped out a black belt. It was so impactful in my mind that it's like those sort of things, they just show you what's possible. So it's like, yeah. if I can do this once, then, you know, I can take that next step and keep keep going. I think those little victories are, are really important throughout your journey, whether you're training or competing. So I think that was a, a really big one to just yeah just like okay it's it's possible and yeah continue to 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 work and, and progress and you know we can take this higher
1: right on. now let's talk a little bit more about your career as an instructor as a business owner so let's go first when did you start running your own classes
2: so i i opened my academy in 2011 so i was still working as a school teacher i was teaching middle school math at the time and I was when I started training, I started training in college so that uh, I was training in Eugene, which is about an hour south of where I lived. So once I moved, I moved back home. My wife got a job up here and uh, her mom was sick. So we needed to move home and we'd be there. And so I didn't have any training. There wasn't a school in Salem. And so I was kind of piecing it together. I had a, a guy that I was had access to a wrestling room at one of the high schools and I was like, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll drill with you. I'll show you what I'm working on if you can get me in. And so I was just kind of piecing it together. And then I would drive down to Eugene on the weekends to train, but it just wasn't possible to do every, every night, obviously working and and doing that. So that was kind of the initial idea. Well, at least I'll have a place to train which is, is not, not a great reason to open a business. <laughs> it's like, I'll have a, I'll have a place, I'll have a place to, to at least do jiu-jitsu because yeah. uh, the amount of obviously work that goes into it. So I kind of had, I was naive, you know, 23, 22 or 23. I'm working full-time. I can do everything. This will be, you know, I'll have at least a place to train. And then everyone does the math, the classic math. Well, if I get this many students at this much, I'll be making this. Wow, that's a ton of money. I'll be, I'll be set. Obviously, getting the students is much harder than it sounds. And there's a lot of reason, you know, that number that you come up with when you multiply, it, mm. it doesn't stay there. It, it, it there's a lot of things that start bringing that down that any uh, business owner will attest to. So yeah, I just kind of, I think looking back at it, if I had known what I had known now, it almost it wouldn't be good because I would have been more hesitant. Whereas that being naive, I just, Oh, I can do I everything. You. Like it will work out. It. And, luckily i was able to get into the business open my academy uh it wasn't that expensive i had a, uh, another friend that i opened it with and so we kind of went in on it 50 50 and that was a, a learning experience as well going and just just being raw for business and just any any endeavor that you start out with obviously you're not you don't know what you don't know and so you kind of have to figure it out and so that's kind of how how my academy got started And then it kind of just slowly progressed from there.
1: And how was the decision of you to stop teaching to go full time? Because this, you know, as uh, many people who are listening to the podcast, a lot of people that are like on, you know, are into entrepreneurship, a lot of people are in a in situation of about to pull the trigger. Do I go full time? Do I wait? How long do I do both? So that it is a, a very tough decision and each one needs to know when is the right time to do so. And that's interesting that uh, I always want to talk about this. I remember Gary Vaynerchuk talking about this once uh, people ask him, oh, for people who don't know, just check him out. Gary at Gary V is a great, um, uh, entrepreneur aggressive entrepreneur guy yeah he'll get you motivated for sure yeah and someone asked him when is the time and then i never forget he said look when you feel that you can't breathe anymore you're feeling suffocated that you're like i just can't do this anymore i gotta do it you know and that's the moment that each one needs to know you know so how was that for
2: you yeah and that's that's obviously there's the philosophies behind doing business i kind of got into it again i'll have a place to train if we make a little money it's fine i'll be a teacher so it evolved it got to a point, yeah. yeah exactly well it got to the point where it wasn't successful because i wasn't all in and my, my friend that i partnered with we had very supplementary skills we were we had the same skill set and so and i was working full time he was living in another city that was a whole experience too that like i really heard our friendship because I didn't know what I was doing getting into it. We weren't, and it just wasn't taking off. And I was putting a lot of time into that and I couldn't train and I was still working full time. And I just got to the point where I, got, I sat down with my wife and it was, I either had to go all in or I either had to, to buy his half and just go all in or I had to sell my half and just have it be, okay, my job is to teach and I do Jiu Jitsu part time. And Lovato, uh, definitely credit Lovato pushing me because and, and mentoring me because I I was on the fence and he's just like, you, you have to do it. You, you have to go all in. You're, you're going to regret later on if you don't go all in. And that was the thing about teaching where I knew my wife was still a teacher. She had health benefits. So that was obviously, you know, I kind of had that safety net. She was very supportive of me doing it and i figured if this crashes and burns i can always go back but you can't really you know if i if i if i don't take the chance and then later on if i'm going to think about it you might as well just do it and so two years into or about a year and a half into the in the gym that's when i made the choice where i was like okay this is it's it's not sustainable we got to go one way or the other and so uh i i bought his half and we just I, i went full time and it was, it, it started taking off with me being full-time, all my energy focused into it. It still was fairly small. Jiu-jitsu obviously has been growing a lot in popularity through the UFC. Yeah, uh, And so that, that part is obviously helpful for what we do. But then after a few years, it got to a point where there was another jump where it was like, okay, my wife is working during the day. I'm working at night. This is, this is kind of unsustainable. So there was another moment there. And I think personally especially at jiu-jitsu academy having having that female touch really helps and she had very complimentary skills to me so she she handles all the back end stuff all the appointments she's great with the kids great with the parents and so she just kind of took all the stuff that i wasn't good at off my plate she does the marketing and so it was really allowed me to focus on teaching and that was really that was when things really took off and so she's been full-time this will be year five or six and this is year seven or eight for me being I don't know the years fly by uh but yeah so so that that was another big big moment that and yeah just again gotta gotta burn the ships and go so
1: yeah you mentioned something that I was gonna ask you to expand and you already did but I want you to expand even more because it said right in the beginning I have even people talking about this and I went through this experience too, of your partner, you guys have the same skills and that's a big issue. Big Mm -hmm. issue that, you know, like you said, you had no idea, I had no idea also. So what kind of advice you can give to people that are thinking about getting to a partnership with someone and you've seen it, you know, how that how important that is and my wife now she helps me too with the business the same thing you said it's very very interesting very similar how she can you know i i can do back-end stuff but ain't my strength you know what yeah. i mean it's yeah. now it's kind of like it's different so it's not my strength so what kind of advice you can give to people Planning on going into business with someone related to that to have someone that can complement the skills that you don't have.
2: Yeah, I again you. It's it funny because it's like a jiu-jitsu tournament too. You always learn the move that you needed like <laughs> the week after the tournament, yeah. right? And okay. And so I feel like that happened for me once I started getting more serious. Okay, this is this is my life's work now. I'm not just teaching. I'm 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 gonna run. I'm going to be a martial artist full time. And how do I basically make my Academy what it can be? So seeking out resources and business classes and those sort of things. And I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of the E-Myth. Yes. The book Mm that I would recommend that for anyone who's thinking about starting an Academy. I, that might be the the first book I would recommend. It talks a lot about the difference between having uh, I think that the vignette the that they use throughout the uh, the book is there's uh, this woman who's really good at baking pies. So her friends convince her, Hey, these pies are amazing. You should open a pie shop. And the author is talking about the difference. There's a big difference between making good pies and running a successful pie shop. And we don't think about that. And so mm-hmm. he kind of talks about the different roles that you need that obviously with Jiu-Jitsu, you have to have the skills. You have to be a good teacher. You have to always be on top of, uh, your lesson plans and seeking out knowledge and, and that part. And most people, that's why we do it. That's why the, the thought of having an academy is even there. if so we love teaching, we love jiu-jitsu, we want to share it. But you can't do that fully without all the back-end things. And so his recommendation is making sure that even if it's a two-person company, if there's, you know, if you're wearing, if there's 10 if there's ten jobs, make sure you you know who's doing what. So who's taking care of the accounting? Who's doing the marketing? Who's doing... The cleaning you know it's because then eventually when you build those jobs out and you add you can get extra people well okay we already know the system for cleaning the academy someone else can do that so you can start taking things off your plate and then there's uh you you start off with the agreement of this is what we're doing and you know each person's role going into it other as opposed to just it will work out you know we we like each other we're friends and i yeah or even family members would be would be worse to you know hurt a hurt a, a family relationship yeah. because you you went into business together and you you didn't have things organized at the start you know and so i, I definitely would recommend that resource for anyone who's who's thinking about uh, starting an academy that's a great place to start
1: yeah i know it's a it's a great book now um you mentioned a few struggles that you've been through as far as like running the school and getting in all that What is another struggle that you went through as far as running the business uh, kind of figured out through just hitting your face in the wall, kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, that doesn't work. What's something that comes to your mind?
2: There was a really big, obviously there was a big event when my partner and I split the academy and we had already kind of established the culture. And so then people were, what's, what, what is it now? And so and I was still young and I'm just was full red line. I'm, I'm going, I'm competing. I'm just teaching the classes. And I think communication is so, so important in what we do. And so I didn't, I don't think I communicated with the members very well. And so my vision for the academy started being different. Because the way I view jiu-jitsu, I think the idea of jiu-jitsu for everyone is really true. And I, my wife and I were very passionate about teaching kids and just coming from a, a background teaching public school jiu-jitsu. And I obviously, I think any listener would know the, what it can offer people is, I think very unique. Yeah. The the amount of self-development, I, I think there's few places you can find that you can develop your your yourself better than on the mats doing jiu-jitsu, doing martial arts. And so... It was kind of, the gym was small and very competition focused. And I had, and I think it was hard for new people or new kids to come in because, you know, they're so far behind and I didn't have it structured very well to where, you know, if you have a kid who's been there for years and who's a killer, and then you have this brand new kid who's joining because they need self-confidence, they need weight loss, they need these other things that Jiu-Jitsu can offer, they're not there for competition, potentially not yet. Right. Because I think that's a big thing I believe in is that you can get to that point. And there's so many stories of that where kids joined because they were right. Bushesha. Right. They join because, uh, you know, someone I think his, he said his sister was training. He just kind of showed up. You know, people who need weight loss think Adolfo talks about that and uh, Felipe Pena. And so it's like these these great champions start out as just recreational practitioners. And so I'm thinking we don't have that lane. I don't have just it. A, a normal kid can just step in, or a kid who, who's just not physical—they don't do sports. Like, and so I wanted to create that lane, and so that was a big disconnect where people things are way different. And I was trying to figure out what that program was going to be, and so there's this big transition that happened, and we had probably five, five or six families that had been with us for the whole time, and they left, and they were basically just like, "We don't like what you're doing," and so that was obviously. I had to really look at myself and think about like, and it was kind of, it wasn't, they kind of left on bad terms too, which I felt bad about, like, almost like you're kind of like the bad guy, which, you know, I'm coming at it. Like, I want to help kids and I want to help adults, people, yeah, develop themselves through martial arts. So that, that was a big moment for me. And I really, there was a period of time that was hard because I've kind of questioned, what am I doing? And is this going to work out? Am I, you know, kind of shooting myself in the foot? Are they right? And so I definitely had to lean on my mentors and my wife and just the belief in my vision. I think that's so important that if you have a vision and like, uh, I forget where the quote came from. I think it was uh, maybe a football coach, but he said, when you, when you get the chance to do it, do it your way. And so if you believe in what you're doing, then you're always gonna have that energy to keep pushing. And so I think that's, that was definitely a really hard time though, because it was early on still, we still hadn't broken through as far as really proving that I could even support myself teaching jiu-jitsu. And so, and I'm still trying to compete a lot. So it was a, a very pivotal time, but I think also you look back at those times that they really informed what I'm doing now. They develop, I, I developed a lot through that experience. But I think, and I hear those stories a lot, people who run academies, that whenever there's changes, some people don't like the changes. And then you kind of like, I'm so attached to every single person here because you care about them. And then it's also can be like, we're competitive, right? We wouldn't be doing jiu-jitsu if we weren't competitive. And so it's like, oh, well, that person, like, they should be still here because I come with, I offer this, this, and this instead of maybe what I'm offering isn't what they want. And somewhere else can give them what they want. And I'm going to look for the people who want what I offer. And I think that is definitely a big mental shift that I think any academy owner has to go through where you have to really believe in what your vision is and that the people who agree with it are going going to come. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, how do you share your vision with your students? And and the way that I'm saying is, like so you mentioned about the philosophy as personal development, you know, uh, basically is a, jujitsu as a personal development tool, but something a concept that you share with your students that can help the listeners too, who are entrepreneurs. And even if they're not like, necessarily Academy owners, but they do have a uh, business and so forth. So what is like a concept that usually you always see yourself sharing with your students?
2: I think the big thing that I've tapped into, uh, is growth mindset mm-hmm. is, is instead of, and that, that's actually, I know we talked about uh, books. I actually have it right here because it's one of yes, my favorite sir. books. Yeah, Mindset, Carol
1: Dweck. Yeah.
2: Carol Dweck. Yes. Yeah, it's just a great book. One of the best books on psychology, I think. And having, because everything we do, it, it, our, our, our lens that we're seeing it through is so important. And I feel like that just is helping you clean your lens of, okay, this is what matters. And so I think when I'm, especially the kids, but the adults too, I think every person, we're here to grow and reach our potential, and and instead of having that fixed mindset where okay this person's good at this, and I'm not good at that or vice versa whatever it is and I I definitely had that as a child. Mm-hmm. I was like I'm good at this, and so you build this identity, and it's not healthy because you're not looking to grow. You have that same mindset of just okay I'm good at this, or and I'm not gonna I'm gonna avoid things that I'm not good at. Even though those things could really help you develop and grow your character, and and I think that's that's definitely something I always try to always with my mat chats and those sort of things, putting out that message of yeah, personal development. We're here to grow. We're not finished products. There's and and trying to analyze yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, your relationships. Like, how do we get better? And and always trying to put that effort in, no matter where you're at in your life. Because I feel like if that is how you approach things, you're you're always gonna be putting your
1: best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this book, I always mention like if I have to say like a top five books that uh, that I recommend, uh, this is one of them. Especially I say like nice. man, every teacher should read this book. Any kind of teaching, I mean, it would be good for you know everyone. But I'm saying especially if you do some type of teaching, man, it's a, it's a very powerful book. Uh, Mindset, uh, Carol Dweck. And I listen a, f- a few times, have an audio book, too, and great concepts. And, man, I feel that there are moments in our day that you are we'll lose focus and suddenly you just kind of navigate through the fixed mindset during the day, maybe the day that you're feeling a little more down, whatever. Next thing, you need to catch yourself. So you're like, wait, wait, wait I'm tripping. Wait, wait, no. You know, and sometimes you need to be very aware because you can fluctuate. It's not like. I wish I can say that I'm, I'm 100% growth mindset at the whole time. You know what I mean? I'm not a machine. It would be yeah. nice, but we all have bad moments that we, unfortunately, we kind of like, it's a tough moment right now, you know, and then definitely, and it's a, it's so easy to get caught into the fixed mindset. Right.
2: Yeah. I I totally agree. I think I love, I love listening to it. Uh, there's a chapter on sports. I love listening to that before I go, if I'm flying to a competition, like, okay, like you said, like you need those refreshers Yeah. again, like you need those, those mental baths. Okay. What am I, what, what's the point of what I'm doing? It's not so like, and I know you've talked, you talk about it. It's not, and, and solo talks about this a lot. He really helped me a lot with my mindset. You know, there's a difference between a winner and a champion. And just because you have a medal doesn't mean that you're a champion, because champion is, and that's it's, your, it's a lifestyle, it's a philosophy, it's the way you present yourself, it's the way you treat other people. And, and the medal might be a representation of that, but it's not the same thing, right? And so you want to be developing your character to to do that. And I think, yeah, with, with all the stuff going on with COVID, it's definitely been a time to to reflect. And again, how can we use this time to reinvent ourselves, to better ourselves, to to think about what's next to help other people and yeah i think that's yeah i, I love
1: that book you know i uh, i remember too when i did an interview for for the listeners who don't know i had an interview with a uh, rafael lovato i can't remember exactly the episode number but uh maybe 102 103 i don't know exactly but uh so he said something a, a big takeaway that that i got is related to the growth in the fixed mindset that he mentioned when he was younger, he started going to Brazil uh, to compete as a juvenile and then as, you know, as a blue belt and then all that effort for the family to make it happen, put in a credit card and all the, all that, that struggle to make it happen. Right. But he got to a point that he started to think like, man, how I'm going to beat those guys. I live in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. These guys training in Brazil. That was back when, um, the worlds were in Brazil, all that stuff, you know? So for him was like, you know, it's so easy for you to get caught in a fixed mindset. I mean, like, oh yeah, that's why they win. Everything is in Rio. They have all of that. And a great takeaway that I got from this, that he said there was a a, a really good shift on his mindset, the, the Saul told him like to embrace the fact that he was in the middle of nowhere and saying like, yes, I am here in the middle of the United States. I, you know, I don't have the same amount of, you know, training partners or whatever, but I still going to work hard to come here and beat you anyways, you know, it's just kind of really flip that mindset to use as you're in your favor in a way they're like, no, 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 like you show them to prove them that you actually can do that despite of. Because if not, now you're sorry for yourself. You created those negative self labels that just because I'm here, that's why I don't. So with that, he gave hope to a lot of people too. You know what
2: I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, that's kind of his, that's who he is as a person. He's, he's just, I mean, obviously those lessons from martial arts growing up and probably having those early breakthroughs led to more. And that's why he won the Bellator title and all those things. And you've seen so many times he's been down. He looks like oh, a normal person. That's it. And he just he has no quit, and I think yeah that's such an important thing. And any competitor, you're not talking up the other person. Oh, they do this, they have this, they're going from this team. Because in the end, you there's so many examples of that not really mattering. You know that it's two people on a mat. If you're in a competition setting, and anything can happen, and sometimes those those weaknesses, those situational things that aren't ideal actually. Grow your character or give you an advantage in a weird way, and so yeah, I've had some some talks with him about those sort of things too. Because yeah, I'm in Oregon. It was that's part of why I was also drawn to him as a coach because it's okay. This is another guy. He's achieved this goal that I want to achieve in the middle of nowhere, and found a way, and so he can help guide me down the path. And so yeah, I think those, those those sort of things is yeah try to try to flip it and use it use it to your advantage. For sure, I like that.
1: yeah. He um, and what we we talk more um, we talking to one of the. I think the I can't remember the, the the title of the interview, but it was something about investing yourself because that's something that uh, reflecting on his his interview, and that's what I came up with the name. It was something about investing yourself, and that's something. Yeah, I think that, that's the title. Yeah, and that's something that I think you picked up. Uh, from him to probably naturally blood being influenced by him too. When I say invest in yourself, because in the beginning of his jiu-jitsu career, he invested a lot traveling to Brazil. I mean, going to Brazil every year is not cheap, it's not like he came from money, you know. So, investing, 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 and it got to a point that he needed to run the academy. You know, his dad, I think, has some health issues. So, next yep. thing he's running, he didn't do He didn't know anything about running. So he started to invest in his knowledge, like, you know, classes and masterminds and stuff like that. And then he got involved with MMA. And then he started investing in his MMA, traveling to Brazil, training the best camps possible. So, all that. And so, how was for you investing? In, in yourself as far as in your as far as the business go because you are the same thing we invested going to train with him in oklahoma and then mm-hmm. invest in your business and i feel that a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes they still feel that like i don't want to spend the money investor looking into investing so how was for you the decision of start investing yourself as far as knowledge especially for your business
2: yeah i think that's there that was definitely another mental barrier to break through is like sometimes you have to spend money to make money i think yeah. there's obviously a, a limit to that but some some you part of being a good entrepreneur is knowing which investments are the right ones and you're going to be hard pressed to find a better investment than education and there's so many ways to do that even because i think that's you know I, I don't have a lot of resources you got a library you can check out books yeah. you can talk to people you can you, so there's so there's those sort of things my wife and i are part of uh it's called a small business development center here uh, at our local community college and there's a group of entrepreneurs that get together and there's a different monthly topic we have four-hour classes and you have some advising uh, sessions with different people who are they're all local and so some of them are from marketing backgrounds or financial and those sort of things so that that's been big is is formal classes and i think seeking out mentors are so so important Especially from a jujitsu standpoint, I think a lot of times it's easy to get connected with people who are mentors from jujitsu, even for obviously technically, but then business-wise too. One thing that really helped us was getting mentors who were outside of jujitsu, just normal business, people who are looking at it from the eyes that are just, okay, this is a business versus this is a jujitsu academy and I'm used to jujitsu academies. So I think trying to seek those sort of opportunities out. There's a lot of them out there. There's, you know, a lot of people want to give back the, one of the people I work most closely with, uh, one of our advisors, he's retired and he used to work in financial stuff. And so has spent countless hours with me on my accounting stuff, my uh, QuickBooks and everything, understanding my financials. So those sort of things are are really big, but I think like you're saying, just continuing in continuing to invest in yourself, daily and that can be in so many different ways and once you have that mindset and then there's going to be some times where it's going to make sense to pull the trigger on some bigger investments I definitely remember the first time but this is when my wife was still working one of my friends he convinced me because I built our first website and I built one website in my life and it was that one and I don't think it was it wasn't the best you know I'm not a web developer so it wasn't it wasn't very good and so we had that I had that website for probably four years into the Academy. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, these, this is a website company. they built my website. It was really, really successful. should really think about it. And I want to say there was another thing he convinced me to invest in. That was another, that was towards marketing, but it was, it was basically signing up. Maybe it was a software for helping uh, manage the student base, but I want to say it was about $500 a month. And that was a lot of money for the academy mm-hmm. at that point, and and he would he just he was so persuasive. My friend Kabir Bath, he runs an academy up in Vancouver, BC. Kaboom BJJ.
1: I, I, I met him too at the uh, the MABS at that convention that we yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: he's 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 definitely invests in his his business knowledge, uh, and he's helped me a lot, just kind of convincing me like no you should do this, and so but yeah he he was really pivotal in helping me. And that was, yeah, like $500. Again, that was a huge amount of money. And I remember my wife coming home and talking to her about it and she was like, Whoa, that's (laughs) so much money of our budget. Like we were taking on this huge additional expense, but it was super, super important. The business exploded with this new website and being able to do better marketing and, and reach the students better. And so the, you know, those definitely, you're always going to have to analyze when is the right time. Like you said, to pull triggers, but you there's there's the i think the inexpensive ways to do it and then you can build up but you, you're going to have to be able to at least take some risks if you're if you're going to grow your business no no doubt
1: yeah one of the things that I definitely i think my wife's more used to now but i drive her crazy with like you know some of my ideas of investing in something you know or. <laughs>
2: what are you talking about that's our job though right we got to be the visionaries and then we got to have them come kind of pull us back down to earth to like okay how do we actually implement these things
1: yeah and i like to tell that a um not just me but entrepreneurs i just think like a quarterback you know like i would love to tell every time i throw i landed perfect touchdowns and it looks awesome and pretty and but it's not you know man i overthrow or or whatever you know sometimes i i I invest in something thinking that I was going to go a certain way. And I was like, oops. And then, but I, but the thing is, I'm not even put energy into like, oh man, that, that like, man, just pass by. No, like, no, 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 no. You don't even have time. I, I don't have time to think about this. Like, oh my God, I learned a lesson, you know, or whatever yeah. that is, you know, got someone to do a funnel work for me. The guy did a horrible job. <laughs> I was professional and stuff, and then they charge expensive. You know, doesn't mean that funnels don't work. So you no, know, with that guy it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and and you said about the website is super uh, important too for people who are listening. Maybe you are and I know that someone is listening is procrastinating with a website and don't want to invest more. I had a I had a conversation or oh, oh, maybe it was uh, sometime last year, begin this year. Um, with someone that I know and having a hard time with the school, you know, so don't uh, really didn't know much what to do. So I just sat with them on um, on a call and just kind of help him out. I'm like, okay, let me go. So jump it on a website and then and it's like, yeah, what should I do? Should I do Google Ads? Should I do Facebook? And I'm like, dude, let me tell this website it's not good. This is very old. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to get people to click in and get requests. So it doesn't matter. You're going to try to create traffic. They're going to go, if, if they go to your website, you know, that does not look appealing whatsoever. You cannot yeah. track them well. It's not easy to, to gather information that can synchronize with, well, he didn't have, I was like, do you have, a system like a uh, Spark or Zen Plan or whatever. Like, no, I used to have, but I stopped because I had to cut costs, and now we're doing PayPal and it's 150 bucks. I'm like, dude, if you cannot invest in a basic software that's gonna track students and all that kind of stuff, that's already rough. And now you got a website yeah. that is not connected with that. We're like, how many leads do you have per month? And like two, three. I was like, dude, that's not normal, dude. It's
2: like, yeah,
1: not normal. Like you're going to have to, uh, again, uh, market muscle is like 300 bucks a month or whatever, like, but like the possibility that you're going to have of people finding out about you and contacting you, of course, you still got to do your good job with your, you know, the systems that you have at your academy. But if people are not even interested in click on a thing, or it is not even convenient how you click, what is it? it you know it doesn't look appealing at all so i feel that this is the part that uh, that people need to take that risk But like 300 like you said for some people 500 bucks it's and i understand it's it's not that it's 500 bucks or not nothing but that 500 can double triple and yeah more and more so
2: quickly that's the that's the thing about business is that small investment could be you, you know how many times get it multiply yeah that's what's interesting about jiu-jitsu too is it, I don't I, I can't think of another sport that's more connected to the internet I yeah. mean jiu-jitsu and the internet with you you have so much of it is you know obviously you know something like ADCC most people are not buying a ticket to fly out to ADCC to watch the matches it's not you know it's almost more like surfing but being able to how you present your business Uh, online is so so important and so yeah having those and that's the thing is like I'm not a I'm not a web developer and so how you go about it there's a lot of different ways you can hire private you can and I think that's for us we just kind of went with a a service to start with because we didn't have anything and that was so great and then now we've been working towards okay now what should we work with a private web developer to develop it more so it's more customized and those sort of things and you can start making those decisions but yeah, how you how you how you market online and present your business online is yeah so important so important for what we do.
1: And one thing that I noticed, I I moved to the United States in nineteen ninety nine. So I started running my program in Arizona at this academy, AZ Combat Sports MMA gym uh, in two thousand so back then was yellow pages you know like the oh, yeah. internet the internet yeah. wasn't that popular you know what i mean people were not used to like research so so much in that so it's very interesting how i saw like the trend like changing this is just gustavo's opinion i don't know if it's affects. just my opinion of seeing like the changes of when tough the ultimate fighter came around there was a shift in like you know in the in the jujitsu awareness that kind of Definitely. stuff yeah but before people used to say like location, yes, you need this here, you need location. And then now, dude, if you have a, a location facing the street, cool, good, good. But ain't the m- most important thing. Like, I I my school in a way face like a the university drive, which is a street of the ASU. Mm-hmm. I have like even before COVID, like one walk-in a month. Yeah, two, yeah. everyone is Google near me. Yeah. That's it so yeah, they no. will find it
2: i've had that same exa- that same experience my my first because I, I, I have two locations here one on the north side of town and one on the south end of town in our first location is it's not it, it's kind of an office-ish building but it doesn't face the street it's on it's on a main street but it bisects it so you can't really see the business but yeah the walk-in traffic was never it was once again once we started being able to develop uh develop our online marketing that was really when things started to change so when we opened up our second location our second location is in a warehouse there's like eight eight spots in the warehouse and we just have roll top doors and it's just a shell we have mats, two bathrooms and a front desk and it's just it's just jujitsu and it's been really successful just doing that so yeah i agree everyone's got a different approach but because we had looked at a, a spot that was in more of a shopping center and i'm really thankful that we didn't actually pull the trigger and invest because it was they were talking about eighty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations for really wasn't there wasn't a lot that we needed to do and then but we're like well it's in a really popular area so maybe the investment's worth it and then yeah just it didn't it didn't it didn't add up because i just don't think that people drive by i want to do jiu-jitsu right yeah like you said they're, they're they're everyone's on the on the internet and they're gonna find out about your business and they're gonna get a a, a taste of what's going on at your academy from there, and then they're probably going to come, come find you. So, yeah, I definitely have had that experience as well.
1: Yeah, I nowadays, especially with, I remember like this is probably what I think I was in in Hawaii, 2008. So a f- uh, friend of mine uh, that used to teach there in a MMA school and stuff, and then great black belt, great knowledge, and the program very small. And I'm like, man, what a shame. This guy's awesome. You know, he's got great jujitsu, you know, like, and and so I, I was still like, I, I was running already a school for a while, but I'm still, I'm still learning too. Of course, always learning. But I asked him like, how's your website? I'm like, yeah, we're working you know, on this guy that I know said is going to do it. I'm like, dude, you know, uh nowadays, especially, and that was 10 years ago, now even more, but you you watching UFC and then Joe Rogan's talking about yeah it's got great jujitsu 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 and people are like man jujitsu what, what is that about let me see jujitsu near me you know mm-hmm. and then now it's the same thing man I get every week I got students from Jocko's podcast and nice. uh and Joe Rogan's always oh, like yeah. yeah I know they're always talking about it so I've been curious and then. So I I get a lot of people actually from there, and then you search, and if you're doing a good job online, and if you pick up your phone or you reply the emails when you're supposed to, you know they they will come. And now it's so yeah, man. The the importance of back. It's funny because me being Brazilian, I know a lot of Brazilians when when came to the U.S., especially in the late '90s, came a little entitled as like well wow, you're just from brazil people should be you know just flooding here and training with us you know yeah and it doesn't matter your titles where you're from you know like is that how good is your work how is your location is it clean is it convenient like you know what i mean the whole package right
2: yeah that's what that is definitely something that's very interesting is yeah you'll find it's people aren't always attracted to to all the titles some people are but again that's i think the very the small ground my journey yeah it's it's most people want like you said a safe clean fun environment that they can they can work out in they can learn they can grow they can socialize and get all the benefits of jiu-jitsu if it's your kid a sport of course you want to know that they're in good hands if they're looking at people that are role models people that are treating them fairly holding them to high expectations and so yeah those are yeah the titles like you said that doesn't it's not as not as important I've yeah. definitely found that myself. I don't I don't think it's as important as but, but obviously we, a lot of people who get into running an academy, we come from a competitive background. So we're mm-hmm. thinking, well, if you're the best competitor, then that means you will have yeah. the best, you know, most people more people want to go to your academy. And yeah, that's in the business world, that's that's not always that's not always the case.
1: Yeah, and I always say that, man, um jujitsu is still new in the United States. Let's be honest, it's still like relatively new. So most people are still finding out, find, starting to find out about Jiu-Jitsu. Do you think they know what IBJJF means? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They have no clue, you know? So I talk with friends of mine like Vito Shaolin in New York and they said, like, dude, most people come in, they have no clue who I am. You know what I mean? It's well, they pointless. don't even know what
2: the difference between Jiu-Jitsu and karate is. Yeah. A lot of people tell their kids yeah. like, oh, I want to do karate and they come into the Jiu-Jitsu school. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> And I think that's the thing. the more you can think about it, especially for the kids it's to broaden your 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 mindset that we're not even necessarily competing against other jiu-jitsu schools because that's even a smaller niche than you would think yeah. I think for the adults they they're, they're a little more aware and it's starting to, again become more aware uh, for the general public for kids but really it's I want a quality activity for my child to do should they do soccer should they do swimming you, you know dance whatever it is we're part of that and and I think that's the thing about jiu-jitsu is if you offer jiu-jitsu the benefits, I don't think that there's another sport that stacks up because mm-hmm. again the physical and mental development and the fact that you're also learning self-defense, you the community aspect, the socialization, the discipline, it's 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 the complete package. And I think again, that's what we're really big on trials. It's like getting the people in, get the kid on the mat, see the see you yeah. do the test drive. You're gonna see what jiu has to offer i think it sells itself but yeah you got to be able to get people in the door and again how do you present the story how do you tell And i think that's one thing for for us the marketing side of things I've again i, I part of the I think the strength and the weakness of my wife and i is we don't come at it from a business perspective we just come at it from a te- more of a teacher's perspective that we're here to help these kids and help develop the adults and and that sort of thing and so it's not everything's about how do I make the most money off of this yeah. or that or the other. And so, yeah, I think that's, it, it definitely is is interesting when you when you take a step back and the average person who's coming in. And that's why, like I said at the start, I, I, one of the struggles was changing from, I want to have a school that is a lot of, or there's a lot of competitors here. It's, no, I want kids to be able to come and adults to be able to come and develop themselves, have a recreational path. I think judo does that way better than we do there's a lot of different ways you can participate in judo and it doesn't have to mean you're being world champion right you can you can give back to the academy in a lot of different ways and so i want to obviously have a path for the competitors but i want to have a path i think there's a much larger portion of people that just want to do jiu-jitsu you know two to three times a week and for you know see your kid grow and develop and be able to learn and like you know the idea that no means no my no means no because I can do jiu-jitsu I can stand up for myself and all those 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 things that we want and that the competitive side of things it it, it appeals to a, a smaller portion of, of people and I think we we think of coming from a competitive background ourselves
1: yeah and one of the things I my when people come into the school I do like a like a mini interview just to kind of like see like what exactly you know uh, they're looking for and all that kind of stuff. So with the adult, for the most part, you know, people ready. Uh, they're interested in jujitsu, even if they don't know anything about jujitsu. That means they hurt or Jocko or Joe Rogan or, or whatever. The with the kids a little different. That you know, like you said, karate uh, or or whatever or some type of martial arts. However, I feel that has been getting a little better since jujitsu is getting more more popular. Parents that they come in, they don't know anything about it, but like my friend, his son trains jiu jitsu somewhere, mm-hmm. or someone recommending my son. You know, so we've been getting more referrals of jiu jitsu, not necessarily of the school, but like, hey, you should put your boy in jiu jitsu or your yeah. little girl in jiu jitsu. So we're starting to listen a lot more of that.
2: Definitely, definitely, and that's cool. I mean, obviously, it's that's great for the sport, and I think obviously both of us agree. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything better that. A kid could do then Jiu Jitsu and I might be biased but yeah I think it's just such a great learning learning tool and so as it grows in popularity and you're seeing people like Kelly Slater you should put your kid in Jiu Jitsu first. Yeah. Jocko those sort of things those sort of endorsements of people outside of the Jiu Jitsu community talking to the general public that have these big audiences yeah people like Joe Rogan that is obviously so beneficial for for what we do so that's that's great to see and obviously hopefully once we get COVID more under control that that's going to, you know, obviously I, th- I think jiu-jitsu is destined to be huge. And obviously we are already seeing that. I mean, you're, you're really seeing that. I can imagine coming from 2000. I mean, I I know just personally in my state, when I started in 2005, I, I think there may have been one or two black belts, mm-hmm. you know, and it was still, like you said, I think the ultimate fighter was a huge, huge yeah. thing. So we're, yeah. but the sport is really like, I think it's self-evident how awesome it is. And so now, everyone's starting to learn about that and so that's that's really
1: cool yeah when i lived in vegas in 99 they had two schools i believe maybe three you know that was it in vegas you know it's yeah uh, it's insane
2: yeah now you throw a rock you get a school (laughs) in vegas huh
1: yeah dude it's you know all (laughs) over the place but it's uh yeah it's definitely nice to see that uh it's growing people learning more about it and the tendency is definitely to to get uh even more kids, adults. Um, I had not, I got a line from Jocko that I've been using when I talk with people. Sometimes they like trying to figure out. I want to do a martial art. You know, I might do a, a I want to try a Krav Maga class. I want to try jujitsu, you know, and Jocko gave a great explanation that I, that I, that I use it now. He was, I think it was a clip of Rogan and him talking about, and I think, rogan asked like what martial art would you suggest for people to try out first or whatever you know like stand up or ground and saying like you know i think everyone is you know should have an understanding you know maybe stand up and stuff but like everyone should have started with jujitsu he said like you know i know how to throw a punch i've done stand-up someone wants to fight me you know i can't run i don't have mm-hmm. to fight you know i don't want to go i don't want to scrape my knees i don't want to go to jail and you i know i can't run but at the moment, someone grabs grabs me, I cannot run, you know, and whether you like or you don't, you're in a fight if someone grabs you, you yeah. know. So jujitsu should be always the first one to be like, learn how to at least, you know, like someone touch you, grabbing you, you know what to do. And then you can learn how maybe possibly do stand up, understand distance, which is important, too. Is jujitsu the answer of everything? No, no martial arts is the answer to everything, you know. But uh for sure, I wouldn't trade jujitsu for any other one. As far as learning how to defend yourself, that'll be the for sure, like of course being biased. But I, I love that explanation to show to, to tell these people that uh, that is true. You don't have to fight. You don't have to you can swallow your yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an idiot or whatever, and then you you run if you have to. But at the moment they put a hand on you and grab you, that's it. It's
2: on. Yeah. Yeah I've heard I've heard that that jocko anecdote and I, I love that and obviously I think being a, parent, a father of three daughters like I yeah that appeals is that the idea of someone being able to physically grab one of your your, your kids you you know or obviously uh, even bully situations at school like being able to escape being able to create space and know how to to defend yourself in that way is, yeah, I I like using that one as well. Yeah.
1: So now let's get back to uh, some uh, uh, business-related stuff. But what is one of the best advice that we have ever received that really
2: helped you with your business? Business Business-wise, I think really, as far as, yeah, I think for me, developing my business sense is really kind of, doing things for the right reasons i had a conversation with one of my friends parents who's uh when i first opened my business and they've been they've run a successful business here in my hometown for 20 or 30 years and when i talked to them it's the, all their questions were well why do you want to why do you want to do this mm-hmm. and what it, kind of what's your motivation because i think in that in, definitely shaped okay yeah why do I want to do this and if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're always going to have you're always going to have that motivation whereas like I want to make money or I want to yeah buy a yacht or whatever that's that's going to be hard motivation yeah to always have that fire burning versus when we're doing jiu-jitsu and you're teaching jiu well I can tell you all these benefits of jiu-jitsu, why your kids should do jiu-jitsu and we just have that passion, that bug for jiu-jitsu and we want to share it. And if that's there, then everything else can fall into place. You can learn how to market, you can learn how to keep your books. You should always be learning those business things, but if that, if your, your priorities aren't straight as far as your mission and, and your intentions of why you're running your business, I think that's so important. So that conversation I had with them before I started my business, it was like, okay, I, I know that I'm doing this for the right reason. I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm doing this to try to help people and try to spread what I love doing. And I think that's that that's definitely been really, really good advice for me to, yeah, continue to follow. Because obviously there's always, like we talked about, there's there's those setbacks and those times where it's like, this isn't working. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to support myself doing this. You know is it is the work is the juice worth the squeeze all those sort of things that happen along along the way and that if you're you're more focused on why you're doing it then you can figure out how to do it i feel like
1: no absolutely and just having that balance of the intrinsic and extrinsic motivation because if it's just the extrinsic like you said you buy the yacht and i have this and i have that but the intrinsically it's like the motivation you're doing something that you don't like and then at one point, it's just man, no, especially if the results are not coming right away. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they
2: probably won't. Yeah, exactly.
1: They probably, they probably won't. Yeah. And at the same time, if it's just intrinsically, and then you're gonna be a hippie, you know, that's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. But if it's okay, you'd be like, I'm doing this. It's just your hobby. But that's what you, if that's what you want. Okay, but don't expect to make money and maybe support your, have the lifestyle that you want for you and your family. Definitely. so it definitely having that balance of the intrinsic and the extrinsic motivation
2: yeah and i think I feel like that's also interesting that was another mental barrier that that I had where I, oh I'm doing this for the right reasons I felt bad raising the price I felt mm-hmm. bad I like being able to just accept trying to make money doing what mm-hmm. we're doing and you know this is a business also and so there's all there is that tension there too. It's like you said, you could, you can just, you know, what's, that's the difference between having, yeah, a hobby and having a business is that you can actually support yourself and your family. And at the end of the day, and there's nothing wrong with having hobbies. If you want to teach for a hobby, that's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's no reason to do, but I think, yeah, like, that's definitely, that's a really good point to make that there's also, you you need both. You need both for sure.
1: And uh, uh, sometimes I tell people too, you know, like, if it, that's what that is, no bitching is allowed. You know what I mean? Like if it that you chose that, that's a path. Yeah. Okay, but it can be like, man, I never have money. Well, okay, no, no, that's a path you chose. Yeah, if that's what you chose. You know, so so be it. You can always change. But, um, so what advice would you give to the young James when you start your school? There will be many of them. It would be a long conversation. But yes. what's what's
2: something that pops to your mind? I think it. A lot of it gets back to the growth mindset. Is is Don't not expecting too much too soon and understanding Mm -hmm. that you're going to have to grow from this experience to try to reach your potential. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to, it's the same. And I feel like that's what one of the beauty, beautiful things about Jiu Jitsu. And I feel like Tony Robbins talks about this. He says that your twenties should be spent trying to master something. And I feel like that has been such I kind of fell into that, but I started doing jiu-jitsu when I was almost 19 and just became hooked on it. But the process of going through jiu-jitsu and trying to be a successful competitor has taught me so much about all the other endeavors Yeah, and I think business being being one of them. But I think just young James is a little too thinking things were going to happen sooner than they were, being naive about kind of, again, being able to divide up who's doing what, what's, what's the actual plan, not just, Hey, we're going to do this and it will work out. Like what's, what's the plan to from getting from A to B, how are you going to educate yourself? You know, what resources are you going to use to, to grow your own knowledge so you can give back and grow your school and, and figure out how to run your, your business better. So I think a lot of those, those, those same themes, who are your mentors, right? Who, who are you, following that have gone down this path that are going to teach you because I feel like that's the thing is a lot of what we're doing if, if you have the will to be good and you work hard you can make it happen but you're going to have to have those people that that you can follow and resources like this where you're, you're getting getting this advice and from from people who've, who've taken the path so trying to be I think from a business perspective I don't think I would, my younger self was as focused on that. Cause I think obviously I didn't know that I was like my job. It was kind of like as clear as far as like, am I doing this? Cause I want this to be what I do professionally, or is this a club? And so probably being a little more planned out would, would yeah. But I think that's probably just what would your, I mean, you know, being in your 30s, what would you tell your, your younger self? Is like, probably, yeah, have, what's the plan here? Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, and like you, uh, you mentioned, basically having the patience, to to, like, calm down, you know, uh, because there, there's one – I have a podcast in Portuguese, too, and it's more jiu competition related, and I have this question at the end that I ask about what are some of the biggest lessons that – Competition has taught you, right? And of course, there's tons of them. Lessons that you use for your life. And from, of course, I have many, but one that stands out to me in, uh, is things don't always happen the way you want, the moment that you want. Like, I want now. I want this tournament now. I want to win this right now you know, in the moment that you want and with the business is the same way. Like I want to succeed with a business I want now. And it's not always in the time that you want, you know what I mean? It would be nice, yeah. but it's not. And then I feel that that, uh, like you mentioned, your 20s going through the whole process of dealing with success and failure. You go to a tournament, you travel, go all the way to whatever you travel in the world and then you lose in the first round. You know what I mean? It's like, God, damn that sucks you know yep. what i mean and has happened with me you just travel different country and then you lose in the first round and you submit and it's like really that just happened yeah. you know when you question yourself and all that and all those lessons you can say priceless be like well there's a price it was expensive you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know the but seriously like the priceless of like yeah that flight back it's it's horrible, you know what I mean. But that's the moment that you grow so much. We we sometimes you don't see it, we can see when we're going through, but definitely years down the road, like, yep, yep, I, I can see the lessons there, you know.
2: Definitely, definitely.
1: So, uh, we're getting close to the end of the interview, and I know that we're recording this in October of 2000 I like to make sure the dates too because People might be listening to this 10 years from now. And also that's the year of uh COVID and you know, the madness. So yes. what what uh, we got excited going on? We have of course you have your twins, so that's super exciting. Definitely. And what else you got going on as far as plans? I know that you reopened the schools slowly right now in October 2020, but what's excited right now?
2: Exciting. I think well, yeah, I mean, that's obviously well we have to I think we part of the growth mindset and stuff we were talking about too is like staying inspired so I, this has been such an interesting time because I've never really had a time in jiu Jitsu where it's just been like full blast working full time doing the academy trying to trying to do tournaments and training it's just been full blast for fifteen years and this is the first time where I've really had time to take a step back because yeah even one academy is doing stuff well, okay but well now we need two and so, this has been an interesting time, even from training perspective, from a life perspective, kind of just slow down and just, yeah, the the value of having a little bit of a, a time to renew and a time to relax. And I feel very refreshed, like I'm very excited about being able to actually teach Jiu-Jitsu full contact again. I'm, I'm in Oregon, so everything's still functionally shut down. We have non-contact classes going uh, that... So we're, we're probably have about 15 to 20% of our students from where we're at before COVID who are still participating every, every week. So it's tough. I feel, I feel obviously again blessed because I've had my academy for 10 years. So I've been able to save for a rainy day. And, and I'm, I know that I'm gonna, I, I guess, I feel like I retread, have retreaded my tires. Like I'm, I'm ready to hit the ground running. I'm really excited to get back to competing. It's been the longest stretch i've not competed since i became black belt and so I'm, I'm i'm very excited about kind of some of the breakthroughs i've had in training just being able to reevaluate things so i'm i'm really excited about that i'm probably won't be competing again until the start of 2021 just based on yeah my my twins are three months now so we were talking before it started i think my wife and i are sleeping four hours a night uh it's been rough but is that the time with my family has also been very, very nice. My, I have a three-year-old daughter. So it's being able to spend time with my wife and and really focus on parenting and setting that foundation. It has been, has been really good. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting time just to be, because you know, uh, one of the first times in my life where I don't really have like, this is my specific goal. Cause things are kind of,
1: that is so true, man.
2: Things are kind of on hold right now up here. And so I'm I'm just, okay, I'm, I'm preparing myself mentally and physically to really hit the ground running and and kind of getting a lot of plans in place for, again, being trying to be the best father and husband. I can be the best academy owner and, and teacher and the best competitor and, and trying to really hone in on how I can do that as efficiently as possible. So, yeah, I think just just excited for some sort of normalcy to, to happen with, with everything. Obviously, also, I think pretty much every. one is but it's starting to open back up we got competitions going fight to wins going ivgf started up again so uh definitely excited to compete
1: right on man great to chat with you i uh, resonated so many things that uh that he said you know even right at the end right now too about this is the first time in my life that is now like goals and stuff it's just everything's just we've been more and more you would be listening to being present being in the moment having you know the that book, The the Power of Now. So uh, I think this is the, I don't know, it might be the first time in, if ever, I don't know, that I'm like in that mode of being more present what's going on and always like, what's the next big challenge? What is the next thing, the next big thing? So uh, definitely that's the positive side of COVID for for my mental and emotional health has been that for sure. Like sitting back and reevaluating, appreciating more things that maybe I did not appreciate before, you know, and uh, being more in the moment. So I'm definitely, uh, besides, of course, the, the downside of the, the business with that, but I feel that has been a great time for me to to reevaluate. And I feel that hopefully a lot of the listeners have been able to reevaluate a lot of stuff too. So James, thank you so much, man, for, for your time. I appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's a great conversation. Always good to see you, good to connect.
1: Yes, sir. Take care, everyone. See you all soon. We'll
2: Oz.